You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. All right. Welcome to Refrigerated Diaries. Hashtag Refrigerated Diaries. Keeping the people engaged with the food. Share your stories, videos, music, topics. Let people know what's on your diary. So we got a very special guest today. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to eat the lamb shank that we do on the Yum Village food truck. But that was birthed in two parts. One to a friend of mine I've known since college who challenged me to do something new on the menu. And then this gentleman who exposed me to a seasoning that I, I have not used and actually gave me a little bit of the history on it that we'll, we'll go into later in the episode. We've got Haas. Hey, how's it going, Godwin? Hey, what's going on, brother? Not How are you much, doing? Man. I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me so much. So what is the origin of your last name? Muscle Manny, it's Lebanese. It comes from my dad's side. So I think it actually means like Muslim Manny or like Muslim man. But uh, I don't know if this is like a more Americanized name or Americanized way to say it, Muscle Manny. Okay. I mean, my name, uh, Godwin, uh, is Anglo-Saxon in nature. Um, originally, when Nigeria was colonized, a lot of the British and the Catholic came over. And so you've got a lot of Nigerians who fled the country. Little known fact, one out of five people from the continent of Africa are from Nigeria. And wow. um, a lot of them have like a very Americanized name, and then the rest is all African. It's like... <laughs> oh, but like one out of five have an Americanized name. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I have like Godwin, and then, you know, the rest of my name you can't pronounce at all. Yeah, I don't so, even try to pronounce your last name. When people <laughs> when people ask, like, what your last name is, they say, you know, I don't even try to pronounce it. So you've, you've got quite a bit of a background going on right now. For those of you that don't know, Haas was on Hell's Kitchen 15, made it quite a bit of the way, and then you were also on Chopped, and you got to yep. second place, right? Yep, I made it second place on Chopped. Got about eight contestants through on Hell's Kitchen, about halfway. Okay, and then was there a meme that that happened with your um with your exit on Hell's Kitchen? Um, there might have been a meme, maybe. Man, there's memes, and I'm in gifs now. I don't even remember <laughs> anymore, honestly. Hey, you know, you just focus on the food. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, there's just. I'm just doing it to try to get my name out there and build a national brand and hopefully one day go into retail or something, you know? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. We are on Refrigerated Diaries Behind the Food here. Uh, you have the Drunken Rooster Food Truck and Catering Company, correct? Yep. And you do quite a bit in the city. You travel with NASCAR. Yeah, I travel with NASCAR on my personal time, like when the food trucks close. I help them with their catering. And I also do big events like the Detroit Auto Show and the Grand Prix and here and there, I'll do some golf tournaments if my truck's not open. So I'm kind of all over the place doing large catered events. And then back home, I just do things with my food truck and catering with that as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I get this call all the time. People are like, hey, can you you have your food truck come to such and such event? You know, we, we got like however many people here. And what I'd like to do is get into your world where I'm dealing with 1,500, 2,000, 5,000 people and – and while it sounds like a lot, it's it's actually a lot more simpler than just 
opening up and hoping for customers, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love going out and doing day-to-day sales, but it is a little stressful because you're crowd chasing, you know, so it's definitely a little bit easier when you're just doing catering and when one person's picking up the tab for everybody, you know? So, like, I mean, I got one I just booked for next month for 500 people, and it'll be really busy for a couple hours, but, I mean, 500 people in two hours, it's going to be awesome, you know? Right, right. No, definitely. So, like, when you when you get a call for something like that, right? Like, what what goes into it? Like, what are, what are the main things? Like, I, I know you've got to think about it. Like, I've got 500 people to feed, but outside of food, what else are you thinking about? You have to think about staff. You have to think about how it's going to look, presentation. Yeah, like, cooking the food is the easy part, you know, and going out and selling the food on the food truck or serving on the truck. The hard part is figuring out how you're going to get all the food, how you're going to cook all the food, how you're going to store it, how many people you're going to have. You know, I mean, there's my uncle always said that preparation is 75% of the battle and that was with construction and it's the same thing with cooking and catering and owning your own business. I mean, it's all about preparing, you know, that's the, the most important part if you want to do something successful. So when you, you started cooking when? Oh man, I started cooking when I was like 12, 13 years old, I want to say. Do you remember the very first thing you cooked? You know, the first things that I ever cooked were like out of a box. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know it was like a Betty Crocker chicken something, you know, and I probably made some rice or some sort of okay. pre-made noodles. Yeah, that's like when I was a kid, I used to do that cooking for like my uncle when I'd babysit my uncle and aunt and their kids. And I mean, that's what I thought cooking was, was like opening the box, reading the directions, add water, add milk and it's. I thought that was being a chef. You know? hey, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just got to follow a recipe. Yeah, that's. So I I did that, and I said I wanted to be a chef, and then I started learning more. And the more I learned, the less I opened boxes and looked at directions. You know, <laughs> right, right. So right now, when you and people think that being a chef is anyone, you know, like we're in a day and age where people are telling me how to make jerk chicken right like yeah, i just had a conversation sure. someone said hey that was one of the best jerk chickens i've ever had but what you need to do is you need to blah 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 right like <laughs> yeah un- unsolicited opinions are great they really are i mean i don't know everybody thinks they know how to run your business better than you <laughs> you know, yeah, you know the, say the customer's always right they're they're taking it a little too much to the head there if you ask me it took me probably three months to figure out the name for my food truck and i remember one of my great friends came up and he was like ah the drunken rooster i don't know man maybe you should come up with something else and i was like you know what buddy when you open up a food truck why don't you just name it whatever you want okay <laughs> so where did the drunken rooster come from uh, you know, I just came up with it with a buddy of mine. We were trying to come up with names. I say my mom makes a really good beer can chicken because that's a good cover story. But honestly, we just came up with like 50, 60 names, and that was the one that kind of sounded the most catchy, you know? Mm-hmm. What, what's a beer can chicken for those that don't know? So the beer can chicken is when you cook the whole chicken either on the grill or in the oven, and they put a beer can in the cavity of the chicken so that as it's steaming and evaporating, it kind of goes into the chicken and gives it flavor and keeps it moist. So okay. that was a that was like a once a month thing we ate at home when I was a kid. Do you open the beer before putting it in there? You do open the beer before putting it in there. Okay. So then when you're cooking it and it steams and evaporates, all the beer kind of goes inside the cavity, you know? Mm. So what I do is I braise my chicken. I use legs and thighs, and I'll do like roasted poblano peppers and roasted onions and things like that, and I'll put the beer in as well, and then I just kind of cook it low and slow. So it's 
not the exact same thing that my mom made, but it's a little similar, you know? Okay. No, I, I see that. I see that. So you're walk us through the typical day right now like we know that it is your mission to dominate the world or are you do you plan on just taking drunken rooster all the way you're gonna go through a name change um you know i want to take the drunken rooster as far as i can and in the meantime i kind of want to keep ad- auditioning and applying for more culinary competitions and tv shows and trying to build a national brand because i think long term i'd really like to go into retail like selling salsas or hot sauce or something and kind of just be like uh a bit of an easier way out, you know, not yeah. as hard work. Yeah, no, you know, that way we can have time to do other things. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, date efficiently and spend time with family and, and yeah. go on vacations. You know, I mean, it's not a glorious life. It's a lot of fun having a food truck, but there's definitely uh, easier routes that are not as hard on your body that you can take. You know. Oh, it, I don't work out. I but I I lift Cambros. With yeah, food that's my. It. This is my workout. Is owning a food truck. This is my life. So, when you decided to go along the route, and that that's like new to me. I I'm always like, man, I you're on TV a lot. Like I'm always see, seeing you in these. Yeah, things. I, I'm really blessed. I'm really lucky. Honestly, are you doing your own PR? I do my own PR, yeah. Um, I don't want to pay a company for it, so I do it as much as I can. I'm not really good at it. I could definitely be better, but luckily going on these TV shows, it kind of does a little bit for me, and it gets my name out there for people to bounce back and reach out to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and for the audience here, on the Drunken Rooster, you can get a wide variety of items, but uh, one of the favorites there. At least for myself, uh, these amazing zatar fries, and as I understand it, zatar is what you put on bread, right? You, you... Yeah, so zatar—it's a Middle Eastern spice mix. It's like a wild roasted thyme and sumac, and they mix it with like a little bit of olive oil, and they make almost a paste out of it. And then you dip it with bread and put it on bread and bake it. And what we do is we take the spice without the—we don't mix it with the oil. And we mix it with uh, chipotle, ancho, and guajillo chili peppers. It's not spicy or anything. It's just we want to. We do a lot of like Middle Eastern and Mexican food like mixed together. So we do that spice mixture mixed together, and that's what we top on our fries. And we also season our chicken on the grill with it as well. That sounds amazing. And did you just decide? To do this? You know, I always loved za'atar when I was a kid. Uh, my grandma always made it for me, and I wanted to incorporate it in my menu somehow. And I had this idea to put it on the fries, and the first time I did it, it just smelled so aromatic and delicious. And then I thought, well, how can I, you know, include something Mexican in here? So I looked to my dried peppers, and my, like, holy trinity with dried peppers is chipotle, ancho, and guajillo. So I took a little bit of those three and I mixed them in with it and I tried it out and it, people loved it and I've been doing it ever since, honestly. I think that everyone in the kitchen has a holy trinity of something. Yeah, for sure. This is what I use. For sure. So do you uh, do you drink, by the way? Um, Barely, actually. I used to drink like kind of heavily when I was younger, but now I'm good for like one or two drinks. Not too much, you know. It kind of just gives me a headache after two drinks. Yeah, I feel like you would probably make an excellent bartender. Yeah, I'm very, very good people skills. I think I'd make a good bartender. I think I should have been a server years ago. I'd probably have a lot more money in my pocket, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely shame. good at sales. You know, it's it's true, though. Like, I, I've lived many a night when I would come out of the kitchen for my 9 to $15 hour shift and watch people who've been serving food I've been making all night 
with a couple hundred. Yeah. It's how it's does definitely discouraging. Feel? I mean, you really got to love what you do wholeheartedly to be a chef and stay in the business your whole life, you know? Especially like you said, watching servers making two, three, four hundred dollars on a weekend night and you're killing yourself making scraps, you know? Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what it feels like compared to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So interesting enough, while we're on the topic, this upcoming November, and by the way, we're we're around the deadline to register to vote if you have not done so already. Uh, but we've got two uh, pertinent details coming on. On uh, The state of Michigan just recently released 11 new conditions uh, for medicinal marijuana. I personally think that they're just trying to get an extra check before it goes recreational. And then it goes recreational because that's going to be on the ballot in November. But also uh, one fair wage uh, in which... If that is also passed, there'd be a five-year um, grace period to have all businesses eventually move to a um, a minimum wage, a tip wage included, of uh, $12 an hour. I think that's fair. You know what's interesting about that, too, is that if you eliminate the tipped wage but still keep the tip credit – it allows for tip pooling. So front of house and back of house can have access to the same tips. And not only that, but because of the tip pooling, people that work on Fridays and Saturdays, as opposed to people who work on Tuesdays, all would have an even shot, right? So now everyone is motivated to work. Yeah, for well, sure. You know, um, This is how I look at it. I know there's some people who disagree. Yeah, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I think it should be fair for everybody. I mean, you know, you'll have people that, I mean, being a server is definitely a hard job, but what's to say that this person should make more money than me for describing the food and bringing it out when you got the guy who's back there sweating and killing himself, making it work in 60, 80 hours a week, you know? I think it should definitely be somewhat equal. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to talk with Haas about a few things, origin of spices, because I know that... He's got quite a, a bit of history on that. And we're going to go into a little bit more on the uh, administrative roles that come with these big catering gigs that you get. And then we may even talk about some of the stuff you're doing outside, the personal life of a chef. When we come back on Refrigerator Diaries. All right. We are back kicking it on hashtag Refrigerator Diaries, keeping the people engaged with the food. Share your stories, videos, music, topics. Let people know what's on your diary. Hashtag what's your ID. So we're with our good buddy Haas here from Drunken Rooster. Uh, they do uh, quite a wide variety of food. You can catch them at Fleet. You can catch them at the Dequender Cut Freight Yard. You can catch them at the Village's Beer Garden, as well as Campus Martius and anywhere in between, right? Yeah, we go all over. We've been doing Taco Tuesdays and Riverfront Towers lately as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I heard that you've been there a couple times, right? Yeah, I'm usually there on Thursdays. Thursdays, it's a yeah. nice place. It It's surprising how many people aren't working yeah, day. they say it's mostly retired people. I was kind of surprised when I heard that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, some of them uh, retired or not. Some of those people might have some other jobs. This guy bought some food from me. I swear he had twenty grand 
Really in his pocket. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, no, what you got? Why carry that on you? You know, right? Why carry that? Um, so, when we started off, we were talking a little bit about your amazing knowledge of spices and what you're cooking with, and you, you're always putting me up on stuff. Like I'm like, man, I, you should. Like, I should call you the professor of spice. I do love spices. Yeah, I think that you. It makes everything taste good. You just put some salt and pepper and spices on it. So, are you like? Do you like? see i'm going to use the spice and then you read up about it and then you um i definitely go out and try to try new spices all the time and uh try always try to see where they're from you know but uh i do a little bit of research there's just so many spices in the middle eastern cuisine and i was really lucky and i worked at an iraqi uh, country club for a long time or for a little while and they their spice culture is huge because in Iraq, uh, they're the first Middle Eastern country to actually import and export with India. So they kind of became like a hub of spices for the Middle East. There's a place called uh, Basra in uh, what is it in Iraq? So Basra was the first port where they did import export with India. So it was kind of like their spice haven over there. And then from there it would go to other countries in the middle East. Okay. All right. So when you go out on a date, is that what you talk about spices? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to, you know, but I don't know when I go out on a date, it's kind of boring because all I want to talk about is food and cooking. You know, that's, those are really my only interests. That is how I got my future wifey. It's, it's yeah, it's out there. I mean, I lo- I love to eat, man. So you know, that's that's what it's all about for me. So, so listeners here, we we've got a single chef here loves to eat, loves to eat, ready to cook with whatever spices you need, <laughs> <laughs> and he can educate you on them. Plethora of spices, <laughs> spice plethora. So when you when you go out, speaking of of just being out on social activities here, are you? I when I order something, I, I typically I, I usually try to go by myself. That way, I can I can just get what I need, yep. and eat my food, and then I'll probably try a couple things. Like, are, are you ordering with satisfaction here? How do you order when you sit down at a restaurant? Do you, do you go out to eat a lot? I I do go out to eat a lot. I definitely love going out to eat alone. Um, if you haven't gone out to eat alone, I recommend everybody does it. It's one of the best things to do. Treat yourself. Um, yeah, I mean. You know, one time I got in an argument with my brother. We were going out to eat, and he told me to go enjoy my own company. And I did, and <laughs> it was really nice, <laughs> and I recommend it to everybody. I've I've been doing it ever since for like five years. So, yeah, when I go out to eat, um, I usually want to, like, look at the features. Um, I, Me and Godwin have talked before about it. Like, he likes to get the sides. I also like to get as many sides as I can. Um and then, you know, I never judge a restaurant based on one time. You always got to go back like two, three times because you never know, like, if it was a fluke or what was going on. What if it's just bad? You know, if something was bad, I'm always willing to go back at least a second time, you know? You're a good one. You, you, never, you, never know, you never know what might happen, you know, if it's – they say it takes three times to rope in a lifelong customer. So even if somebody comes into your restaurant and they like what they're eating – that doesn't mean that you've sealed the deal and you have them come into your restaurant for life. You definitely you need to give them at least two me two more great experiences if you want a lifelong customer. That being said, I'm going to take this time to make a PSA. If you ever come to either of our food trucks, we hope you hold us to the same standard. Yeah, please. Please do. So, you know, us both being in the kitchen a lot, um it 
I find it so hard to find time to change clothes when I go out to eat, but I absolutely hate it. I, I do not like going out to eat in my chef clothes because then I'm subject to everyone talking yeah. about. Even if you go to a gas station, people will stop you at the gas station in line and be like, oh, are you a chef? I see your chef pants. <laughs> you know, So I, I even keep a change of clothes in my backpack. Um, doing large events and outdoor events, I started getting the habit of having extra clothes and shoes in my car and in my backpack just in case you get rained on or in the mud or something. So it is – I. I used to hate it so much, so now I try to change, actually, before I go out to places. Yeah, just just rocking those civilian clothes, you know. Otherwise, you're going to be talking about the finer steps of cooking at a Coney Island. Yeah, exactly. I actually tell people quite often that I just cook at a family diner when they ask me if I'm a chef just to kind of, you know, cut the small talk and enjoy my time alone. <laughs> well, I mean, outside of, of cutting the small talk, though, you— being a chef, though, you probably do, and a well-traveled chef, because you do travel with NASCAR, you're traveling a lot, you probably have a good pulse on food culture right now. Yeah, for thing. sure. That's the cool thing about traveling is, you know, you get to see the food everywhere. Because, I mean, here in the Metro Detroit, we're definitely still behind on the times on food, and it's cool to go to other places and see what they're doing so that you can bring those things home, you know? Yeah, yeah. I find a lot of times I get a call because I'm like, afro-caribbean you can't really get that but yeah. then during the call i'm being told to box it in it's like hey can you do afro-caribbean light <laughs> you know like can you do yeah <laughs> a dressed down version of afro-caribbean and i'm i'm just like why why did you call me so yeah i, I do feel we're 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 just tipping the iceberg here in terms of like just palette of flavor here yeah i think that um it's awesome for everybody to have their own niches and to do their own things, you know. It's just uh, you definitely got to – I always said, you know, working in the restaurant industry, you're working – it's a, it's say yes industry. You know, you got to give customers what they want. So I try not to turn customers down too much, but like you're saying, sometimes you're just asking me to overhaul my whole menu. You mm -hmm. know, I had a lady ask me if I could change the name of my truck from the Drunken Rooster to something else, and I'm like – it's kind of all over my truck. <laughs> you know, I kind of can't do that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh yeah, I, I felt bad telling her, but I mean, what else do you say? She's like, is that the name all the time, the drunken rooster? And I'm like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you got to have like the no soup for you. Like, no. <laughs> I know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what, what else are you seeing in the state here? Um, you know, it's pretty interesting to see how veggie centric everything's been becoming just all around America. You know, you see like, I mean, I went to a newer restaurant in Detroit a couple weeks ago and there was probably only four meat options. And then out of the other 17 options, it was all just different variations of vegetables, which is, it's refreshing to see. Um, you know, there's so many different flavors and things you can do with vegetables and greens that I'm definitely, uh, always intrigued to see what what happens i just got zucchini and squash at a restaurant last week and i was like come on how good can zucchini and squash be you know but i mean he did it right with like a nice coconut cream sauce and it was delicious you know yeah and i i can't help but think that a lot of that is i don't know if these are like lifestyle changes like people like i talk to a lot of people and everyone almost everyone is always like do you have a vegan option yeah you know, for sure they never eat it like I, I just did an event 
it was imperative. You must have vegan options, right? So I'm, I'm like, all right, fine. Well, I'll do some vegan options. But literally, two. Only yeah. two. <laughs> um, it definitely, I feel like it depends on what area you're in and the def- demographic of people, you know. I've noticed that when I'm serving, like, more millennials and younger people that I do sell more vegetarian options. Um, I mean, there's just... There's stereotypes with people when it comes to ordering, I've learned on the food truck, you know? I mean, there's certain people are going to order certain things and certain demographics of people are going to order certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can understand that. I I, I also want to point out for everyone that's listening, just because it's vegetarian or vegan does not mean it is healthy. That's very true. It's uh, hiding those calories in sheep's clothing. My fries are vegetarian. And I deep fry them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is excellent. So if you get a chance here, uh, where where else can we find you now? Uh, you just got to kind of follow us on social media. We're at the DeQuinder Cut. We're sometimes at the uh, West Village Beer Garden. We do Campus Martius, uh, Riverfront Towers, Taco Tuesdays, Detroit Fleet. You just follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, The Drunken Rooster. And we're always posting where we're going to be at. For sure, for sure. I almost wish you had, like, you were holding the mic. You guys can't see it, but he just dropped it on the table right now. Done. Statement. All right. Well, that is it for us. We will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for of, having me, Godwin. Oh, man. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's my pleasure, it. man. Thank you, you so know, much. It's been a good time. And then uh, be sure to check out Drunken Rooster, as said, in all of the locations. And be sure to follow him at drunken rooster on instagram yeah facebook twitter and we're huge on myspace huge on myspace (laughs) all right only in germany